Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, welcome back. Greater Direction Part 2. Greater Direction Part 2, talking about how we go together as the church or as the body of believers. And so if I've not met you before and you're joining me for the first time online, thanks so much. It means more than you know to have you with me. And I hope you get something out today. I hope you take steps forward in your faith and your relationship with God. I believe in helping people get better, become more and believe in Jesus so they can grow in their relationship and uh, get a little bit further in life, you know. And so we gather, we grow and we go as followers of Jesus. And so uh, Malachi 310 is our giving scripture this week. I want to give a shout out to John Morrow. John Morrow actually took me seriously over the past month. And, and as I said, uh, you know, Malachi 3.10 says, God says, test me in this. And we've been talking about how we test God. And I gave you really practical examples of how me and Heather have done that in our house. But John Morrow actually gave every day this week. And then he sent me an email after I gave him my sixth thank you and said, man, this has just been incredible. And he said, I'm so blessed. And it's my calling to help expend and expand the kingdom. Even though I've never been to a service in line, I watch online every week and I pray for the Grove. I pray for your church. And so that's amazing. That's amazing. God is faithful and God always provides. I love how John just essentially took me at my word and he's seeing God's blessings uh, come to fruition in his life. And so then that's awesome. Now, talking about specifically why you're here as part of the church and what we were made for as a group of people. And so then part one was greater direction for you. Part two today, greater direction is, is for us, the church, the body of believers. And so how many of you right now would say, and this is rhetorical, obviously, how many of you would say, man, I'm not where I used to be, man. Thank God. I'm not where I used to be, man. I'm in a better place than I once was. I think we would all go, yeah, that's good. And then, and then on, on the flip side of that, how many of us are not where we want to be? And that's probably the majority of us too. And I think sometimes in life, especially as being believers, we kind of tend to um, forget how far we've came from back there. And we just, we just continually look and say, man, I've just got so much farther to go. And the reality is, is you've came farther than you have left to go in your journey. And so then, I want to go Old Testament, Isaiah 43. It says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, but forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing. Your past is nothing compared to what God's going to do for you in the future. So regardless of, of how you meet with me today on video or what your past looks like or where you come from or, or you know, what might be in, uh, what you might think is in the way, it's not. And distractions only equal delays. And some of us, I've had delays in my life. You know, I, I was just talking to Heather the other day. So I feel like I had a birthday this week, so I'm a little bit older. And uh, I don't know if I'm any wiser, but I'm a little bit older. And so as we were talking through, I was like, man, I just feel like, um, this right here, like there's, there's more, there's better, there's greater ahead. And it's hard not to feel like, um, like we regress or like I've regressed in some areas. And so then, especially when you're not on track and you're not meeting the expectation that you set for yourself, right? Which is unique because we put our name on that expectation and then we want to tag God on it and say, well, God said this. And, and really, really, that's not the, that's not the deal. Okay. And so then distractions equal delays. And they only keep you from where you're going to be or where you're supposed to be. I love that Isaiah 43, 19, the very next verse says, See, I am doing a new thing and I have already begun. 
I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. I just want to let you know, it's easy to overlook and not recognize it when you're in it. You would say, well, I'm, I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be. That's good. You're, you're with, the, with the majority of believers. And when you're not where you were and you aren't where you want to be, neither are we. And I just want to let you know, that's proof that God's doing something. That you're not where you were, you're not where you're going to be. That's proof that God has brought you along and he's taking you. So then go with him. Go with him. The reality is this, new what's in front of us can be scary because it's unknown. But with God, it's always greater. It's always greater. So where are you in this and where are we in this? And what you need to know is you can't play the I don't know card or the I'm not good enough card because in Acts 10 and Romans 2, God says he does not show partiality to anybody. He's not partial to one person over the other. He's partial to us all because we're all sons and we're all daughters. And so then nobody gets preferential treatment. We all get the same treatment. We all have the same favor of God. And so then he isn't keeping us from moving forward and he's not keeping us from reaching our city or our communities or wherever we live, those circles of influence. He's not keeping us from that. We are. We limit ourselves. And so when it comes to where you are in your relationship with God, there are two places you can be. There are two places you can be, and, I, and I'm going to look at this in two different ways today, but here's the first way. There's the finish line, and you are essentially exhausted. You've crossed the line, and, and some people think that this is what it means when we actually step into faith and we reestablish or establish that relationship with God. A lot of us feel like we've crossed the finish line, and we lay down, and we're just like, oh, thank God I'm in. I'm in. And salvation does not equal the finish. And what, what really happens is like, oh my gosh, all this way, look at how far I've come. Thank God for Jesus. And amen. And amen. Thank God. But the finish line mentality leads you to look back at where you've came from. And that tends to hold you back. As opposed to what is, you're looking at what was. And you're exhausted and the finish line perspective really takes more of you because you say, look at what it took for me to get here, right? And then because we've crossed the finish line and we have doubt and we don't know what the expectation is, how do we go forward? Where do I go from here and how am I going to get there? I'm not sure. And so it can paralyze us. And what I want to challenge you today is this, the, the call to action, the call to salvation, the day that you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're not crossing the finish line. You are crossing the starting line. And it's the starting line to something good. You're, you're crossing the starting line or you're beginning something. And salvation equals being part of the mission. Now you get to be missional minded like the rest of us who believe in Jesus. Right? You started something. Starting line mentality leads you to not look behind you, but to look ahead. Because I'm right here. I just began something good. So let's go. And our focus is now here and it's not there anymore. Right? And you're thinking about what will be, not what was. Starting line perspective takes more God and less of you. That's John 3.30. It's what this is all about. Why? Because you're uh, anticipating what's ahead for what he will do. And you have a hope for your future. You have a hope for what is coming ahead because you just started something. That's the call to salvation. And so the call to salvation is the call to the mission, right? And what we need to clear up today is that salvation is... It's the beginning of something great. It's the start to a journey. It's a race that you get to run. 
that you were, that you were created and called to run, right? But that comes with an expectation, and this is where I think we drop ball, we drop the ball as pastors, and this is where we can drop the ball as the capital C church and, and as the body of believers, because when those who we love and are closest to us pray to receive, pray to establish a relationship with Jesus, we don't tell them, hey, there's an expectation that comes with this. It's not you've crossed the finish line and you're done and your name's in the book of life and, and glory. <sighs> now just fire at will and do exactly what you want the rest of your life. That's not it. And I think the thing that we look and we overlook in the unspoken about salvation and the mission is it comes with believing, right? But nobody ever told me there was going to be an expectation, Dusty. I get that. I get that. And if you would walk through your life, your Christian life, your life as a believer, without an expectation of who God is, what he's called you to do, and where you're going, that is the finish line mentality. Man, thank God I'm not in that anymore, and my name's in the book, right? Yes, the Bible says that he is faithful even when we are unfaithful. It does say that. But with salvation, there's an expectation that we're going to become like him. That's God's goal. That's Jesus' hope for us is that we, we would gain Christ-like character, which means we're going to think a little bit differently. We're going to act a little bit differently. We're going to speak a little bit differently. We're going to live a certain way, that we're going to be followers of Jesus. That's what is expected of us. So God expects faithfulness in our walk, which is our relationship with him. And his relationship and our relationship with him is like every other relationship. It's a two-way street. It happens on exchange. How many times a day do you talk to the ones that are closest to you? God should have more priority to, than them, right? And all God really wants in this is your heart. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants everything for you. That's great language. been using it for a long time. God does not want anything from you as a believer. He wants everything for you. And when he has your heart, he can bless you in ways that you can't comprehend. And that's what the giving scripture is all about this month. And so the Bible says that he, that, that he is faithful until the end. He is faithful until the end. That means we can expect that and we can trust that and we can know that. That means he's always there. And that means that he's one, never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you, right? That he's promised to be there long after everything else is gone. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that created us, right? That means those that are faithful to him until the end, those that live in a relationship with him, those that live on mission, those that don't cower down, those that hold the line, those that continue to make an effort to lead a life with Christ-like character will receive the recompense. What? The full blessing, the whole blessing of God. Psalms 119, I'm going to read Psalms 119, and this is going to be 1 through 11. I'm going to break it up just a few parts. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. It says this, blessed, happy are all who follow Jesus. Happy are all who follow Jesus. Blessed, happy are all who search for God and do his will. Blessed, happy are those who reject compromise with evil and walk only in his path. When I search, follow, and obey, I will not be disgraced, for I will have a clean record because you are my redeemer you restore my life. And after, verse 8, and after you have corrected and redeemed me, I will thank you by living as an example the way I should. I will follow you. I will follow you. And then he says, how do you do this? I'm glad you asked. 
verse 9, 119, Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. How can anyone stay pure? By reading your word and following it. The more I search, the more I find, the easier it is to follow. The more I want to follow. I think a lot about your word and I store it in my heart so that I will honor you and I will keep from sin. That's what it means. That's the expectation. How do we do that? The word. We got to get into the word. We got to find the word. Blessed, paraphrased, blessed, happy are those who step up to the starting line, who keep with God, who stay with God, who go with God, who follow his word and who live as examples. And so then when that happens, what it really looks like is not somebody on a finish line or somebody on a start line, but it looks like we, the body, as a group of believers, as a body of believers, that's the church. The church is a body of believers. It's a movement that should spread and run like wildfire through our streets. The body of believers, the church is not called to, well, don't ruffle any feathers. Just go along to get along. That's not us. That's not us. Okay. And so then as we go at the church, we go as a body of believers, like-minded people who come together. We need each other. We need each other. That's what it means to be the church is to go and to go on mission, realizing that, that our individual journey might look different, but we're all here for the same cause and the same mission. And so then we come together at the starting line, different journeys, all in the same race, all with the same finish line, which means what? Bringing Jesus to our city, reaching our city, adding to heaven. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it will be, as it is in heaven. Now, we can all line up and run for charity. Why? Why can you see nonstop groups gathering to run, walk, roll, whatever for a charity Yet when it comes to charging our city and charging the gates of hell, we just can't seem to come together. Why is that? Super simple. It's a what? Oh, they're all rallying to benefit this. Yeah. And all the entry and all this goes to that. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Why? Because we can give to a what all day long. Oh, that's what that's for. That touches my heart. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Right? People can line up and run and walk and roll for charity all day long and they can give to that all day long because it's a what? It's a what? What if we all lined up on the starting line and ran, walk, or rolled for a who? For a who? Well, that's faceless. I don't know who that is. No, it's not. You have somebody that you know that's far from God right now that you know needs to be in a relationship with Jesus. That's our call. That's our cause, right? Real relationship. Real discipleship, real community. We all know somebody. But man, to give people, to, to get people to give to a why is super hard because it's disconnected from their heart. But that's really what Jesus' heart is. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Our heart is people. That's why the church exists. The body of believers got added to their number daily because of what God was doing in them. Let me just tell you something, by the way. When Jesus changes your life, you leave different. You walk different. Otherwise, where's the change? I cannot see it. You might say, hey, I prayed a prayer today. I'm feeling pretty good. Where is it? Where is it? When you experience Jesus, he changes your life. And from that day forward, you leave different. And I think that's one of the stumbling blocks that people encounter in the world. When they go outside and they meet another believer, it's like, well, well, you're just like me. You talk like me, you walk like me, you act like me, you drink like me, you smoke like me, you cuss like me, 
da 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 You're no different than me. I essentially what they're saying is, without knowing it, they're saying, I can't see Jesus in you. But when Jesus changes your life, when you have an experience, an encounter with Jesus, and heart change happens, what you're saying is, what, and what people see is, woo, that boy's different. He's different, right? And so how do, we do, how do we do this? How do we line up and run, roll, walk for a who? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 12.1. Here we are, third time in this series. Leave, strip off every unnecessary weight and all sin that entangles you and keeps you. It keeps you from what? Run, walk, and roll. <laughs> keeps you from that. And run with endurance and persistence the race that's set before you. Now the race that is set before you is the one that you enter when you become a believer, when Jesus changes your life. You can't say, yes, Jesus changed my life, but go back and run the same race you've always been running. That's not life change. That's not giving your heart to God. That's checking a box to say you did because you can and hoping that it turns out great, right? And so then God called you into existence. He called you to be. So you could have the choice to believe so that you could become like him, so that together we could build his kingdom. I know it's churchy word, kingdom, more believers, so we could build people, so people could find Jesus. So if you believe, then you now understand the expectation. There's an expectation on you. You enter a race when you believe, when you receive Jesus. You start something great, and it's nothing God wants from you. He doesn't want you to throw your whole life away so you can put a necktie on, a white deal, all this stuff. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to become like him. And if you do, he says there's so much fruit and so much, so much abundance that will come to your life, you won't be able to comprehend it. I will open doors, avenues, channels of blessing that you can't comprehend. It's what he's saying. So then, your faith is something God wants for you, not something that he wants from you. Now, you know this, and if you don't, this is what the Bible says. God is the author and the perfecter. The beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher of your faith, right? So then, you have a race to run. You have a race to run. We all have a race to run. Now, I was in the great state of Texas last weekend. By the way, I'm a builder. You want to know what fires me up? Talking to church uh, teams, talking to pastors, um, talking about volunteer culture, and man, building something great that's going to change our cities, that's going to change our country. I love that. I'm a builder. So I was in the great state of Texas last week, and, and, and I want to take our message one step further today. I'm going to share a little bit part of what I shared with, uh, it's kind of behind the scenes. This is like all staff conversation. And I want to take you where I took them because I believe it's going to tie beautifully to the finish line, starting line perspective we talked about. I think we can all grasp that, what it looks to be at the starting line, anticipation, we're going to win. Like nobody approaches a race and thinks, I'm going to get trucked today, you know? And so there are lots of ways that you can interpret this running the race, putting everything off, run the race with endurance, with persistence. There are so many scriptures. There are so many scriptures. And I just want to take our perspective. This is our family mission is written and taken from Colossians chapter three. It's what we teach our kids. It's how we lead our lives. And here's what Colossians 3.23 says. It says, whatever you do, I'm going to read the message. I'm sorry, so sorry. The amplified version of this. The regular version says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. I believe this so much, I'm right-handed, that it's tattooed right here on my wrist. 
I didn't tattoo that there for me or for you. I tattooed that there for me. That's accountability for me. So whatever my hand finds to do, whether it be this, whether it be this, whether it be this, whether it be work, whatever my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Here's what the Amplified Version says. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord, not for men. That's it. I want to honor God with these every day. This one says serve. Serve. Second. Be second. Servant leadership. Give. Serve. Walk ahead. So to wrap this up, I want to discuss our faith. In the two lines that we've discussed, both the starting line and the finish line, and how they relate to our mentality as believers, and how we approach our days, both individually and as the church, as a body of believers. And so, by the way, this is not meant to be violent or to lead to violence or go, man, I can't even believe he said that. It's not that. It's an analogy. And I believe it's going to help bring this thing home. And so this, it's easy to perceive and expect that beginning your relationship with Jesus is a lot like stepping onto a cruise ship. Okay. I've not been on a cruise before because I can't do that. Because if I want to, I need to have the freedom to leave whenever I want. And being on a cruise ship, I don't care how big it is. I'm still stuck in the middle of the ocean with a lot of people. And I might just need to take a drive. Okay. And so then it can be real easy to perceive the relationship that you start or, or restart with God as stepping onto a cruise ship. And if you think anything about a cruise ship, what you know about that cruise ship is super casual, super casual, laid back. Now you can run as fast as you want and you can do as little as you want on a cruise ship. It really comes down to your mentality. What are you there for? Why are you there? Okay. Cruise ships are comfortable, right? Super comfy, super cozy. What's the agenda on the cruise ship? Consumption. How much can I consume? 24 hour, seven day a week buffet. As much as you can eat, it'll be there for you. Gonna be hot, gonna be fresh, can always be ready. Consume. What is the commitment that you have once you've actually stepped onto the ship? Cross the finish line. Once you've stepped onto the ship, what's your commitment? Is it high or low? It's low. It's super low. You might get up early, you might not, right? Probably sleep in. You're going to eat more than you should. You're going to lounge more than you should. And God bless you. I'm not talking about ruining your vacation. I'm talking about your mentality as a believer. Okay. On the cruise ship, your commitment is only as much as your agenda. And so if you walk onto a cruise ship knowing I'm going to do nothing this whole week. That's a lot like how people step into their relationship with God. And I just want to tell you that a cruise ship mentality is not the call or the cause of Christ. It's missional. When you look at the deck of a cruise ship, what you see is chairs, pools, rides, everything that you can imagine. And guess what? You're just kind of there to consume, right? So you'll take what's given to you. Oh, yes, I, I'm not going to move a finger. Oh, yes, I'll have another one of those, please. Yes, that would be great. Thank you so much. And you order all the special drinks, right? And you're there, and it's essentially contribution is not on the agenda. Consumption is the goal. And when you step on the deck of that cruise ship, and you get there, and you sit there in your comfy chair, and you order your special drink, that is opposite of the call. Again, I'm not trying to ruin your vacation. Salvation is the call to the mission. It's not the call to consume, but yet to contribute. And so then you're not crossing the finish line 
and you're not here to get that easy chair. You're here, you began something when you got saved. And God put you here on the earth to accomplish it. You have a part. The, the Bible says we all have parts, there, many. There are many of us and there are many parts to what we do. All are important. I'm not partial to any of, any of them. They all matter, right? And so then a cruise ship mentality leads us to live our lives with a what about me approach. What about me? This is all about me, me. And sadly, that kills our mission and it sucks the life out of the group, sucks the life out of the body. Because we don't get to step into a ship every week. We're stepping into buildings and, and small groups and, and businesses and stuff like that all week long. And the reality is you're in one or the other, and the other is this a battleship. So you're either in a cruise ship or a battleship. You're cruising or you're battling. There's no gray area now. Battleship. When I say battleship, it just got real. It just got real. When I show you a picture of a battleship, you, right now you immediately think, it's time to battle, Right? It's a, there's a different agenda, right? My agenda is not consumption, it's contributing. What can I do to help steer this ship, to get us where we need to go, to win, to overcome? That's the mentality. That's the mentality. That's what you stepped into when you, when you began a relationship with Jesus, you stepped onto the deck of a battleship, right? Takes a stronger commitment. There's nobody laid back on this thing, okay? Sipping special drinks. We're not doing that on a battleship. We all have a responsibility. We all have a purpose from the captain all the way to the, the lowest guy on the pole, the newest guy on the team. Everybody has a responsibility in this. By the way, newsflash, you're in a battle every day. The Bible says we do not battle with flesh and blood, but of principalities and things that are around us that are really just trying to kick our butt. Okay. We're not to fight against each other. The devil wants to bring you down. Okay. Now, on a battleship, we're not going to lay back and do nothing. We're going to man our post. We're going to be on mission. We're going to be about our business, right? Because we're here to win. And God called you to win, okay? When there's a war going on, I don't see anybody that's on a battleship kicking back saying, you got it. How about another one of those? You, yeah, you, hey, you do that. You do that. You do that. No. They all go to their post and they get on mission. They all go to their post and they get on mission. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are we here for free coffee or are we here to see God change people's lives? When we battle, we fight for each other. When we battle, we fight for each other. We help others gather in community. We help others grow in their relationships and we help others go as followers, right? And so then... It's not about having a lounge chair and having three seats empty on either side of you, right? When you see a cruise ship, when you think about having a cruise ship mentality, a cruise ship reaches your emotions, okay? Oh, yeah, you know? And you think pleasure. Me, me, me. And you think easy. And that's okay. That's okay. You should. You should, I'm talking about the difference between how we start a relationship with God and how, how we should and should not, okay? Now, when you see a battleship, what happens with the battleship is it touches your heart. The cruise ship might reach your emotions, but the battleship touches your heart because you know what it takes to step on that battleship. 
And it gives you a sense of purpose. You know, man, if I had to be on that, I know what I would do. Everybody already like in there, in the depths of their heart, they know it touches your heart. Why? Because you know what it takes. You know the sacrifice. You know that people have given their life on that shit before. Jesus did the same thing for you. He gave his life. And so today we have to decide if the race that we entered as believers, if the call to lead people in real relationship and to experience real growth, we have to decide the race that we entered, if the cause that we began to grow in relationships and to grow in community is one that we can accomplish with our current expectation and our current mentality. That's the thing we have to ask ourselves. Because we're either in one or the other. We're either cruising or we're battling. There's no gray, right? And what I want you to see is a lot of times the church is filled with people who are fighting for their way, for that cruise ship mentality, which create division, creates division. It keeps us from, from experiencing greater as a body. It keeps us from what God has for us. And both the finish line and the cruise ship mentality lead to a fill-in-the-blank mentality where we personally decide what we believe it is that accomplishes the mission of the church. And that fill-in-the-blank mentality is just that, whatever idea you have that accomplishes the vision or the mission that, that you have. And for some people, it would be homeless ministry, and for others, it would be troubled teens, and for some, it would be suicide, and, and for others, it would be community groups and, and archery and bicycling, and, all, and that's great. And those are all great things. Those are called small groups. You do those in smaller groups of people. And whatever you interpret that as, that becomes your mission. But if it doesn't connect people to the body of Christ, to a body of believers, then we all have different causes and we're all running separate races, not the race or the mission of the church. And you would say, wait, wait. So then we don't do this? And the reality is this. If we have a men's barbecue, it should point to a Sunday gathering. If we have a men's barbecue, it should point to a men's group. Somewhere we can grow in our relationship and gain and gather in community. Because why? Because, because the vision or the mission, rather, the vision isn't what you say you do. It's how you accomplish what you've said. And if we're going to lead people in real relationship to real growth, to gather in community, to grow, grow, grow in their relationship with God and each other, to grow as a body of believers, if we're going to do that, okay, then it has to come from our heart and it has to be together. And so we say that we're accomplishing leading others to grow in real relationship. That's, that's why we gather. We, we gather to help people grow in their relationship. And so that statement can feel like you're a part because we say it all the time. And even if there's never really anybody that contributes to it, we can share that so much that people believe they're a part, even if they have no clue what it is. I don't even know what that is. It sounds good. I guess we're doing that. And if we show up when we have that, that, that little, you know, that me mentality where it's like, well, I showed up, so I guess we're doing it. That's, that's not it. And the reality is, is we're the ones that carry and execute the mission of the church to go into all the world and make disciples. What's that mean to build people? How do we do that? We gather in community. We grow in our relationships, and we go as followers. That's how we do that. When we have a cruise ship mentality, that's when our commitment is undefined. We don't really know what it is. And the more that you define your commitment to the mission and the vision, the more that we become like a battleship, right? The more we rally together to reach our city, our community, our friends. By the way, salvation 
You know this by now. Salvation is not an encouragement. It's an expectation. It's not an encouragement to, hey, yeah, whenever you're ready, if you're free, free on Sunday. It's not an encouragement. It's an expectation to jump on mission. Lucky you, you're right where you need to be. I'm going to finish by reading the last two verses of Colossians chapter 3. They're our family mission. It says this. I'm going to reread Colossians chapter uh, 3, verse 23. We're going to go through 25. And I think it's amazing how God pulls all this together. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. Knowing, knowing with all certainty that it's from the Lord, not for men, that you will receive an inheritance, which is your greatest reward, heaven. It is the Lord Jesus whom you actually serve. And with God, there's no partiality. He has no favorites. No special treatment based on a person's position in life. So there is no, well, not me, or it's not time. No, if you're, if you're saved, you're called, and it's time to be on mission. And the reality is many of you are here because you believe it can be better. You believe it can be better, and there's a responsibility that comes with that. Real growth, real community starts with real relationships, a real relationship with God and a real relationship with each other. That's the body. That's the like-minded people who are like family because they are. It's a body of believers. And so when you think about that, I've got to get real with God before I can be real with, I've got to get real with myself so I can get real with God so I can be real with others. And you've got to cross that line. Belgian horses are some of the strongest animals on the face of the earth. This is why you're not supposed to do it alone, by the way. So then it's a starting line, not a finish line. It's a battleship, not a cruise ship. Now I'm going to tell you to go with somebody. This is why, this is how we have greater direction. This is how we go together as the church, as the body. A Belgian horse all by itself, the picture of a horse named Zeus, he's seven foot two. He's massive. One Belgian horse can pull 8,000 pounds all by itself. And you would say, wow, that's pretty impressive. Here's what's unique, is if you put two Belgian horses in a harness together who are strangers, they don't know each other, they've never been together, those two horses together can pull 24,000 pounds. Yeah, that's three times. That's three times, right? It's not just twice as much. It's three times as much as one. One all by itself can pull eight grand. You'd say, wow, two can pull 24,000 pounds. Now, here's what's unique. If the horses live together, if they're raised together, if they train together, what's unique is they learn how to pull together. And because they know each other and they're unified, those two horses who've actually been in a relationship, who know each other, can pull up to 32,000 pounds. What's different? Relationship. Relationship. They know how to pull together. And that 32,000 pounds that those two can do is now four times as much as the one horse can do by himself, right? And so then you started something great. I'm gonna recap for you. You started something great. It's a starting line that allows us to look ahead. It gives us hope for our future. But you're going to have to battle. It's a battleship, not a cruise ship. That gives you purpose. <laughs> that gives you purpose. Lastly, don't do it alone. Together we can make it through anything. Together we can make it through anything. Why? Because God is faithful until the very end. He's faithful to the very end. Here's your action steps. One, be about Jesus. 
be about Jesus. Ask God to help you fix your perspective. How do you do that? Read Psalms 139 every day this week. I think it's nine verses. It will seriously take you less than 30 seconds. Read Psalms 139 every day this week. Be about Jesus. Be about Jesus. Be about the mission. Lead others to grow in a relationship with Jesus. To whom much is given, much is required. You entered a race. It's going to take all of us together to reach others. It doesn't happen one at a time. Out on the streets, we come and we gather, and lives are changed because we're here, because something special about this. Because when Jesus changed your life, other people can see it. Jesus always goes after the one. Don't, don't get it twisted. It's always about reaching one person. But if we together all reach one person, that's many. That's kingdom work, right? When we all understand what's at stake, that people are dying and going to hell at a rapid rate every single day, the mission will mean something to us. And we'll toss our special drinks and we'll go to battle for those who can't battle for themselves. And we'll show them who Jesus is with our actions and our words. The third thing is this, be about the body. Don't say one thing and do another. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. If being a believer means something to you, let people see it in your actions. Father, thanks so much for today, for the opportunity to share on how we can have a greater direction as a church body, as a body of believers, Lord, all on individual paths, on individual journeys. Lord, but thanks for what you've called us to do, who you've called us to be together, Lord. I don't take this lightly, and I just ask that you would help people to sense what I sense, to feel what I feel, and have them have your heart. Not about my feelings at all. It's about your heart. So I ask you to give people your heart today. If there are people who don't know you, I ask you to help them to be bold enough and give them the confidence to follow through, to reestablish or establish a relationship with you so they can begin a race, begin a journey that will change their life forever. I love you, and I thank you for this day and our time together. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Today's message spoke to you. I'd ask you to share it, send it along. If you need to establish a relationship with Jesus, email me, dusty at dustyotis.com. Next week, we're going to start a four-week series titled, I Was Made For This. Since you're going to build on this series and go right into the next, we're going to make it personal for you. How can you go out and walk, run, or roll for anything? Why? Why? What's that why that's in your heart? I'm going to help you find that. And we're going to go together. It's going to be pretty amazing. And so I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you would know it is hope for you, what his calling is for you, and the great purpose, the great plans that he has in store for you. So glad you were here. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.